coming up on Harvard Chan this week in health, clearing up the confusion over fat. The basic message is pretty simple. Wherever possible, use liquid oils in your diet as the primary sources of fat. Using them in the diet will be a very important way to lower your risk of premature death. In this week's episode, we're marking Heart Month by revisiting one of our most popular episodes, an in-depth look at fat. And yes, we'll be asking, is butter back? Hello and welcome to Harvard Chan This Week in Health. It's Thursday, February 15th, 2018. I'm Noah Levitt. Amy Montemiro is off this week. February is Heart Month, and as we've discussed before, a critical part of heart health is choosing healthy fats. So in that spirit, we wanted to replay an older episode in which we aimed to clear up the confusion over dietary fat. So you guess we'll be talking about whether butter is really back, but we'll also be taking a look at healthy fats, the good fats, the beneficial fats, and giving you some ideas for foods that can help you incorporate those into your diet. And we'll be talking specifically about saturated and unsaturated fats. There are terms you're probably very familiar with. Foods high in saturated fats are things like red meat, butter, or cheese. Unsaturated fats are broken down into two categories, monounsaturated and polyunsaturated, and are found in vegetable oils, nuts, seeds, and fish. In that episode from 2016, we spoke with two of America's leading nutrition experts. First is Walter Willett, who at the time was chair of the Department of Nutrition at the Harvard Chan School. He had recently authored a paper which looked at more than 126,000 people and found that those who consumed higher levels of unsaturated fats had a lower risk of dying during the study period. That study also highlighted the negative health effects of saturated fats, including trans fats. And we'll also talk to Dariush Mazafarian, Dean of the Friedman School of Nutrition Science and Policy at Tufts University. Mazafarian was senior author on a paper that found butter did not increase a person's risk of premature death or heart disease. Now, since we first recorded that episode, there have been more developments regarding saturated versus unsaturated fats. That includes an American Heart Association advisory last summer that strongly recommended replacing saturated fats with unsaturated fats. The AHA says doing so can lower a person's heart disease risk as much as cholesterol-lowering statin drugs. We spoke to one of the authors of that advisory, Frank Sachs, professor of cardiovascular disease prevention here at the Harvard Chan School. Well, the American Heart Association leadership about uh, two to three years ago decided that uh, a major reevaluation of the dietary fats that we eat is warranted in terms of relation to heart disease. One reason for the Heart Association's decision on that is that um, for a, a few years, there have been contrarian articles published either in the medical literature or by writers um, who have prominently trumpeted results that, that, the, that dietary fat and health had to be revised. Uh, that, in fact, it's not really so pertinent to health what kind of fats or how much fats we eat. What we found is that very, very clearly saturated fat caused uh, atherosclerosis, which is plaque, cholesterol-rich plaque in the arteries of the heart or leading up to the brain, and also heart attacks and strokes in comparison to unsaturated fats. And among the unsaturated fats, the polyunsaturated fats were more protective than the monounsaturated fats. So our conclusion was reduce saturated fat and replace it with unsaturated fats, pr preferably uh, polyunsaturated fats. 
If you want to hear more of that interview with Frank Sachs and read the advisory from the American Heart Association, we'll have links to that and other resources on our website, hsph.me slash thisweekinhealth. But now let's jump into that episode from 2016. We begin with Walter Willett shedding some more light on the sources of dietary fat that we mentioned a little bit earlier in this podcast. When we talk about total fat in the diet, that means fat from all sources. Uh, we get fat from uh, animal sources such as butter. Uh, in the old days, lard. We don't consume too much of it now, but we get a lot of our fat from uh, eating red meat. Uh, we get some uh, animal fat from chicken and, and fish as well. And then another large part of our fat in the diet comes from vegetable sources. These would be plant oils that we add to food, but also the fats that are naturally in plant foods, such as uh, in seeds and nuts and avocados. And so when we're looking at, I guess, maybe calling them the bad fats, so Mm -hmm. saturated fat, trans fat, what are the effects of those? And is one clearly worse than the other for people? When we're looking at bad fats, uh, by far the worst, and from this study and from many other studies, is trans fat. When we look at one type of fat on a gram per gram basis compared to another type of fat. Saturated fat is also, in this study and some other analyses, weakly related to a higher risk of premature death if we compare it to the same number of calories from carbohydrate. But what's really important is when we compare one type of fat with another because that represents the choice, the kind of choice we often make when we're uh, preparing dinner or eating out. And what we saw here was that replacing saturated fat with unsaturated fats, and particularly polyunsaturated fats, was related to a major reduction in the risk of premature death. Uh, And uh, that's, I think, something that people should know about. It can make an important difference in their chances of living a long and healthy life. And we'll come back to that study in a minute, but now we want to shift our focus a little bit from fat as a general term to specific foods, and we're going to talk about butter. At the top of the show, I mentioned that a new study from Tufts University looked at links between butter and chronic disease and mortality. It was a meta-analysis that combined information from nine different studies and more than 600,000 people. I spoke over the phone with one of the authors, Dariush Mazafarian, and he says the goal of the paper was to look at foods instead of simply looking at nutrients. You know, what we've learned over the last you know, 20 years or so is that to study obesity, heart disease, diabetes, other chronic diseases, we need to move past just thinking about single nutrients and think about foods. You know, foods are what we eat, and they seem to have different effects depending on, you know, the complex matrix of their ingredients, how they're processed, how they're consumed. And, you know, there's been a lot of concern about different foods in the diet, and one of those has been butter. And so we wanted to see uh, what the evidence is for potential, you know, major health effects of butter on, on death, on heart disease, and on diabetes. Because people like magic bullets, there's been, again, a reductionist approach to make it all about one thing. You know, uh, total fat is the cause of obesity. Um, saturated fat is the cause of heart disease. And I think those simplistic uh, messages, um, you know, which which the public, you know, likes to think there's one thing I can do, doesn't really work for nutrition. Nutrition is complicated. And it's not that complicated, but it's more complicated than, than kind of these single nutrient ap- approaches. And one of the main takeaways from the paper was that butter is a, quote, middle-of-the-road food. So can you explain a little bit about what that means? 
Well, you know, what we found is that, you know, whether looking at total death or heart disease or, or diabetes, we didn't really find any strong signals for major effects of, of butter, either for, for good or for bad. And so, you know, that suggests that butter is neither a health food that we should be seeking out, nor, you know, the villain that's, that's the cause of major disease. And in a sense, you know, what's, what we found is it doesn't really matter how much butter you eat. It matters what else you're doing with your diet. So if you eat a little or a lot, your, on average, your health will be similar. What, what's much more important is, you know, are you eating a lot of the good things and are you in the, in the food supply and are you avoiding a lot of the bad things? Butter's kind of mid, middle of the road. There's uh, things that are healthier and there's things that are worse. And so the question that's often asked in the media and headlines is, is butter back? So is it, and is that the right question to be asking? So there are certainly healthier choices than butter. It'd be better to use extra virgin olive oil or canola oil or even many margarines that are full of full of healthy oils. Those are, you know, certainly better choices. But on the other hand, if you want to have some butter and eat less white bread or have some butter and eat less potatoes or have some butter and don't eat processed deli meats or bacon or, you know, many other unhealthy foods, that's that's probably a better choice. So, you know, it's kind of a middle-of-the-road food, and, and I think, you know, there are things that, again, are more important to eat eat and things that are more important to avoid. Willett agrees that butter is not back, and he says the important question we should be asking is what happens when we replace butter with another kind of fat. Because in a meta-analysis, they were not able to compare one type of fat with another. And if, uh, because the individual studies that had been reported earlier had not made those comparisons consistently. Therefore, if you're only looking at butter per se, you're in principle comparing it by default with all the rest of the calories in the diet. And if we look at the average American diet or European diet, the rest of the calories is mostly refined starch, sugar, and potatoes, uh, and some uh, trans fat in there as well. And all of those things are bad, so if bad for our health. So if we're finding butter is the same as those other sort of calories, it means that butter's not a great source of calories in terms of our health as well. The authors of that meta-analysis did acknowledge in the discussion that given their findings, it would be better uh, to replace butter with unsaturated vegetable oils in terms of cardiovascular disease. And that should have really been the headline. Uh, That wasn't the headline. Headlines were like butter's back, but the headline really should have been uh, evidence supports replacing uh, butter with unsaturated healthy fats. And so I think what might be an important takeaway is that Butter isn't back, but that's not necessarily advocating a low-fat diet. I mean, there's still a place for fat and healthy fat in the diet. Well, absolutely there's a place for healthy fats in the diet. In fact, in the paper that we just uh, published, uh, total fat, uh, even the combination of total fats uh, compared to carbohydrates was related to lower lower risk of premature death, uh, modestly, but still very important. In other words, uh, people on... Uh, higher fat diets were better off on average than people on low fat diets. But uh, the important point here still is that the type of fat is what's really most important. And so the recent study that Willett mentioned earlier actually looked at the effects of unsaturated fats. The lead author was Dong Wang, a doctoral candidate in the Departments of Nutrition and Epidemiology at the Harvard Chan School. And again, this study looked at more than 126,000 people and found that those who consumed higher levels of unsaturated fats had a lower risk of dying during the study period. 
Uh, this study was taking a big look at the relationship between the total percentage of calories from fat in our diet in relation to total mortality and also specific types of fat in our diet in relation to total mortality and specific causes of death. So this is a very comprehensive look at the relationship between diet and health. And what were the specific types of fat that you were looking at? We looked at four main categories of fat. Uh, first of all, trans fat, which is industrially processed vegetable oil that's been partially hydrogenated. Uh, second, saturated fat, again, mostly from butter and uh, red meat. And then we looked at monounsaturated fats, which to a large extent come from uh, some plant oils like uh, canola oil and olive oil, but also we get some of it, uh, uh, some monounsaturated fats from avocados and some other uh, seeds and, and nuts. Uh, then we also looked at polyunsaturated fat in our diet. A lot of that does come from uh, uh, vegetable oils, uh, particularly soybean oil, uh, corn oil in our diet. And uh, we looked at all those individually, all of those types of fat and in relation to total mortality and cause-specific mortality. And so I know the big takeaway from the paper is that consuming higher amounts of these unsaturated fats was then associated with lower overall mortality. So can you um, kind of explain what that means and then maybe break it, break it down a little bit for us? But one of the critical issues when we're looking at any major source of calories in the diet is the comparison. Uh, and in this case and in most studies uh, where we've been able to do comparisons, we've compared each type of fat with carbohydrate and then one type of fat with another because that represents the trade-offs that we would normally make uh, in our decisions about uh, ordering if we're eating out or preparing our food at home. In this particular study, we're looking at relationship between total fat in our diet as a percentage of calories and then specific types of fat in the diet. And when we're looking at total mortality, of course, we're all going to die at some point in time, so we're really not talking about being immortal, uh, but rather our chances of death during the next uh, few years. And do we know why unsaturated fats are so beneficial? Uh, we've known for perhaps 40 or 50 years that unsaturated fats compared to saturated fats will improve blood cholesterol fractions. They and specifically will reduce LDL, the bad cholesterol, in our blood. But it's pretty clear that polyunsaturated fats do quite a bit more than just reducing the LDL, the bad cholesterol, in our blood. They uh, can be anti-inflammatory. Uh, they can help reduce the risk of thrombosis. Uh, and we're learning more about other benefits of polyunsaturated fat in the diet. There's, this is dealing with uh, many complex biological pathways. Uh, polyunsaturated fats are a critical part of uh, every cell in our body. They make up the large majority of our brain. They are the building block for many biologically active compounds related to clotting or, uh, or inflammation. So these are really very, very important molecules. Uh, one question uh, that some people have had is whether the polyunsaturated fats, specifically omega-6 polyunsaturated fats, are pro-inflammatory. There's a myth going around that omega-6 polyunsaturated fats are toxic and pro-inflammatory and bad for us. Uh, that's based on zero, zero data, really. Uh, and this study showed that the omega-6 polyunsaturated fats were the best of all. In fact, they were what was driving the majority of the benefit of overall polyunsaturated fat and also uh, total fat. 
So when we're looking at unsaturated fats, um, do the benefit kind of extend beyond heart disease? We've known for a long time that the type of fat is uh, important for risk of heart disease. What was, I think, very interesting in this analysis, and I should point out, this was very large. It was about 125,000 people, men and women, followed for up to 32 years. And during that time, about 33,000 people had died. So these are, this is not a little study. These were, this is long-term, many repeated measurements of diet, and many, many people who died pre uh, prematurely. And uh, again, not surprisingly, we found lower risk of cardiovascular disease, particularly lower risk of heart disease. But was, what was also really interesting, we saw that uh, replacing saturated fat with polyunsaturated fat was also related to lower risk of cancer and neurodegenerative disease as well. And particularly the neurodegenerative disease was very interesting because uh, until recently we've not uh, had much that we could offer in terms of uh, preventing this. That means we need to dig down more deeply, try to understand that better. But again, it looks like there's a lot more going on than just reducing our LDL cholesterol. And so one of the things I wanted to touch on that you mentioned there is this idea of, you know, kind of the choices you're making as you're preparing dinner, maybe mm -hmm. making your lunch. So how is it important to think about a study like this and results like this kind of in terms of like your total diet and all the, and the, the, the choices you're making every day. This study, I think, does relate to the kind of choices we make every day. Uh, for example, if we're prepare, uh, sauteing some food or frying some food at home, uh, the choice might be uh, uh, butter, hard margarine versus a liquid oil like uh, canola oil or olive oil or soybean oil. And uh, definitely the uh, one is going to be better off in terms of uh, their risk of dying uh, prematurely if we were use one of those liquid vegetable oils instead of, uh, say, uh, butter or lard or uh, hard margarines. And I wanted to talk about some of those alternative veg vegetable fats like a soybean oil. Because um, I know in the public there's a lot of talk about GMOs and concern mm -hmm. about GMOs. I mean, should that be a consideration for mm -hmm. people or from their perspective of their health, it, if it's a GMO oil that is not going to affect their health, what's, what's, how do GMOs play into all yeah. of this? Yeah, I don't think GMOs really play an important picture in this relationship, uh, that the genetic alterations that have been created in the vegetable uh, for producing, say, soybean oil or corn oil in this country don't affect the fatty acid composition. Uh, there are some bigger, broader issues about uses of GMOs in reducing uh, genetic diversity, perhaps in uh, some implications for environmental changes, but the direct effects are really, I think, not relevant for this kind of analysis. And so I imagine that for people who are researching, this is a pretty exciting time because it mm -hmm. seems like there's more data to look at than ever before. But I also imagine for people, the consumers, it maybe is a little bit more of a confusing mm -hmm. time because there's so much information. Mm -hmm. So as we kind of see this increased volume of data coming out, mm -hmm. what's the takeaway for people at home as they're mm -hmm. kind of looking to make healthy food choices? Unfortunately, uh, the word I've heard on the street is that people are confused. And I think there's some good reason for that. Uh, there have been some very bad studies uh, done not too long ago, for example. Uh, there was a very large meta-analysis that concluded that 
the type of fat in the diet was not important at all. Uh, seeming to reverse 40 years of research on this topic. And of course, that made headlines. But if you look back at that meta-analysis, it was just layered with errors. But most fundamentally, they couldn't, because it was using already published data, they couldn't compare one type of fat with another. And that's, that's what really is most important. For the uh, average person, though, who doesn't want to dig down in, into uh, the research and understand the mechanisms and all of this, the, all these issues that are pretty exciting for us, the basic message is pretty simple. Wherever possible, use liquid oils in your diet as the primary sources of fat. Yeah, if you want to have the, uh, a little butter now and then, okay. I have it a couple times a year for dipping my lobster in when, in the summertime. Uh, but on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, all of the uh, liquid vegetable oils are healthy. It's probably good to have a mix of them, a variety of them, uh, because they provide uh, different types of fatty acids. But uh, using them in the diet will be a very important way to uh, lower your risk of premature death. And so as we wrap up this episode, it's clear that when it comes to fat, there's a lot we've learned and much we still need to learn. But there are some things the experts definitely agree on. Here's Mazafarian again. So I think that, you know, there's pretty strong consensus about, you know, the, the handful of foods that are really good for us and, and the handful of foods that are really bad for us. And the things that are really good are, you know, fruits, vegetables, nuts, whole grains, beans, fish, yogurt, um, clearly all very healthy. And the things that are bad are mostly, you know, processed starches and sugars, uh, you know, the loads of white bread and crackers and breakfast bars and energy bars and all the processed foods uh, that are also often high in sodium or, or trans fat. And then a lot of other foods, you know, eggs, butter, chicken, um, you know, kind of seem to fall in the middle. And then there's foods that we're just starting to learn about, like coffee, tea, garlic, cocoa, um, that we need to kind of understand their health effects more. And that was our 2016 episode on dietary fats. Again, if you want to learn more about this topic, and there is a lot to dig into, we'll have some resources on our website, hsph.me slash thisweekinhealth. And a reminder that you can always find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. <laughs>